Come on, are you glad to be here today? I, I just need to know. I brought out the handheld mic today, so you know it's, it's going to be good, okay? You know I've got something to say today. Well, I want to welcome you to X Church. So honored to have you. If this is your first time or maybe you've just been coming for a little bit, we're honored to have you here today. And uh, we're in a series right now that has a real special meaning for me. Uh, the title of the series is Scary Faith, but it's also the title of my new book that is coming out. Coming out May 17th. And, um, and I'm, I'm excited for you guys to have an opportunity to read this. Um, this is really a book that is born out of my journey of faith and following Jesus. And here's what I've discovered. I've found that there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to what it means to follow Jesus. I have found that this idea of faith has sometimes been so twisted that we don't really know what it looks like. And so out of my journey and my experience with God, walking with Jesus, I, I've kind of written this down. And here's my prayer, my hope, is that it becomes a source of encouragement, but maybe even more, some inspiration for you in your journey of faith. And I, I don't know what faith looks like. I don't know what your journey looks like. I don't know what your story looks like. But here's what I have seen so much in our culture today that just grieves my heart, is that many, even Christ followers today, I have found are living more for the American dream than we are a God-given dream. That, that is so easy, can I just say, at least here in America, I don't know where you're watching from online, it might be different around the world, but here in America, so many of us, like the aim of our life is to maybe be able to get a good job, a family, to be able to settle down, to have a decent career, to make a comfortable living, to own a nice house, to be able to go on some nice trips, to eventually be able to retire, maybe be able to travel a little bit. And some of you go, man, that sounds awesome. I'd love to have it. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But can I just say that what if God made you for more than just that? Like what if there's more to this life than just simply chasing after that dream? What if God has a dream for your life and when he created you, he actually put something inside of you to do something significant for his kingdom here on earth? Have you ever thought about that? I, I, I wanna say this because I don't know if, if some of you feel this way and maybe no one's ever said something like this to you and if no one has, let me be the first to say this that there is something significant that God has created you for. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Come on, do me a favor, turn to the person next to you and just say, God has a purpose for your life. Tell them, remind them, say, God has a purpose for your life. I wanna speak that over your life and that is not just me, but I'm getting that from scripture. I get that from Ephesians 2 verse 10 that says this, for we are God's workmanship. We are God's handiwork. In other words, God puts you together and listen, not only are you God's handiwork, but you are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance. Before you were born, God actually prepared you for something. Do you realize that? Well, I'm, I'm just trying to make it through. Can I just suggest, and I understand it might be difficult, life might be hard, but if I, could get, if I could just get you just to kind of look a little bit higher, if I could just lift your head a little bit more to say there's more, that God has more for your life. And I know some of you, when you hear, well, that God wants to do something significant, that your story matters. And, and maybe you hear that and you go, okay, okay maybe, but, but I wonder if so many of us feel like, I don't know that there, I have anything real significant to offer. 
Maybe you're looking at me and you're going, well, pastor, okay, you're a pastor and you got a microphone and you teach the Bible and maybe that's significant. But you look at your own life and you go, I just don't, I mean, I don't have any special skills. I don't have any, I don't know that, I mean, I'm good with money and, and I'm an accountant and that's great, but I don't know that God has anything unique or special for me. If that's the way you feel and you just kind of say, you know, I'm just a bank teller or I'm just a teacher or I'm just a plumber or I'm just a stay-at-home dad or I'm just, could I just remind you that Jesus took the most unlikely group of young men who were unskilled, uneducated, untrained, and he used them to flip the world upside down. And if Jesus can do that with them, trust me, he can do it with you. And he wants to do it with you. Now, last week, we kicked off this series looking at a real obscure fisherman that, honestly, we wouldn't even be talking about today if it weren't for a scary faith decision that he made. His name was Peter, and Jesus gave him the invitation. Peter, I want to call you into a greater life than just fishing for fish. I want you to fish for people. And here's what Peter did. He made this massive faith decision to walk away from his business, walk away from his boat, walk away from his nets, to follow Jesus, and here was the challenge as we began the series together. What's your safety net that you're holding on to that's actually keeping you from stepping into what God has for you? What is the thing that you just won't let go of? What is something that maybe is like, it's got control over you, or maybe it's fear? What is it that's keeping you? Because here's what I believe, that God has more for you. Today I wanna show you a story of an obscure shepherd, an obscure shepherd from a wilderness that if it weren't for this moment, if it weren't for what happened in this moment, we would not be talking about him today. And so if you brought a Bible with you or if you have an electronic device, go ahead and get it out, turn it on. We're gonna be in Exodus chapter three. It's the second book of the Bible. It won't be real hard for you to find. In fact, I I like to say this ever so often because I, I find that sometimes people don't have a Bible and if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible anytime. You can stop by Next Steps. We will hook you up with a Bible. We want to make sure everybody has a good Bible, and, and I encourage you, you can bring your Bible with you. Some of you might do it on your phone. That's okay. Whatever you need to take notes, because I believe that God wants to speak something to you. There's something in this man's story that I think will translate to your story, if you look, if you look. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I've got to go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Now, I imagine you probably heard about Moses in the burning bush. It's kind of a well-known story. Even if you have not really been in church, my guess is you've heard about Moses. We've done Hollywood blockbuster movies about Moses. But all those point back to this moment. And what happened before this that you need to know is the previous 40 years of Moses' life, he spent wandering through a wilderness taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. This wasn't his sheep. This isn't his business. He married into the family. It's a family business. 
Now, here's what it would have been like to be a shepherd back in the wilderness. Every day, here's what you would do. You get up early in the morning. You would take all the sheep as the shepherd. You would lead them, corral them, sometimes kick them. And you would take them to find new grass, new ground. It was probably hard to find in the wilderness. And you would move them from place to place every single day so they could have food and they could have water. So I want you to imagine every day. Get up, it's the same thing over and over again. Though he might be dealing with sheep, it was Groundhog Day over and over again. Every day, wake up, move the sheep someplace else. Wake up, move the sheep someplace else. I don't know if life feels like that to you, but I wonder how many of us feel like that's my life today. It might not be sheep, but it could be every single day. I'm getting up and I go to work and I come home and I take the kids to their activities and I feed them and I bathe them, make sure they do their homework. I put them in bed. I watch TV till I fall asleep and get up and do it again. And the next day, get up, get the kids off to school, go to work. And, and sometimes here's what I found. If we don't know our purpose, we will tend to wander through life. And it'll start to feel routine, mundane, boring, repetitive. Can I just suggest something to you? I don't believe that that should ever describe the life of a Jesus follower. That it is so boring and routine and I know what's going to happen and it's the same thing, different day. You know, you know that phrase, right? Same stuff, different day. I don't know if that's what your life feels like. But when you don't have clarity about your purpose, you will tend to wander through life. And when that happens, let me tell you, your journey of faith will feel more like religion than it will following Jesus somewhere. That's why some people feel like it's just religion, it's just boring. It's because you've added God to the picture, but you've not actually committed your life to following him. And here's what I believe. Just like Moses had a burning bush moment, I believe that all of us can have burning bush moments. See, this wasn't just like, oh, God gave him a sign. No, this was Moses having a holy encounter with God. And I believe that if you have a holy encounter with God, not I go to church, not I believe, but I'm asking, have you ever had an encounter with God that set you on fire so much that it changed your future? Because I've had some of these kind of moments in my life, and can I just tell you, it has changed the trajectory of my life. I want to tell you about two significant moments, two moments that I look back on and go, that was a burning bush moment. When I was 17 years old, I went to a youth camp. Now, I'd spend most of my life in church, so I knew all the songs, I knew all the Bible stories, I knew all there was to say, but when I went to this particular camp, and I was a youth leader, but I needed Jesus, okay? And I went to this camp, there was one night, there was a moment where it just felt like, I, I remember it, I, I got on my knees, we had this worship moment, it was, this happens in youth events, that's why you gotta go to them. If you're young, you gotta go, you gotta go. And I had this moment where Jesus became so real to me, what he did for me, that I had to get on my knees, I couldn't stand on my feet. I was holy ground. I got on my knees, and in that moment, I gave my life over to Jesus. I didn't pray a prayer to get out of hell one day. I said, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you want to take me. It was such a real and powerful moment that it actually altered my future. I'm asking, have you had an encounter with God? Not do you believe in him? Because it's totally different. 
And it began to set me on a course where I started serving God in the church and I, I just did whatever and anything I could do. And then several years later, I had another burning bush moment. It was a Thursday night. I was at band practice. I was on the band, the worship band that my father-in-law was leading. His name was Jethro. And he was leading. It's not Jethro, but it's kind of like the story. And I was at it. And, and this night, something shifted in the atmosphere and we went from practicing to praising to worshiping God to praying. And next thing you know, I was on my knees. It was another one of those moments, just me and God, no one in the room. And in that moment, I heard God speak to me. Now, I didn't hear a voice. It wasn't audible. But it was so real that God said, Tim, I have called you into the ministry. And something came over me that night. I've never forgotten it. All I can say is I think I became a burning bush in that moment. Something in my soul got lit on fire for what God had created me to do. Listen, here's the thing about a burning bush. The whole idea of the burning bush was simply to get Moses' attention. What's that thing burning? But it's not burning. I need to go see. God did all of that so he could get his attention. And the reason why some of us never really have an encounter with God is because he can't get our attention. Because we're so busy. We're so wrapped up in our career. We're so wrapped up in our lives that we're chasing after this dream in this life, the American dream, that God's up there going, I want to use you. I created you. I know why I made you, but I can't get your attention. If some of you are here and you're going, I, I don't know what I'm here for. I, I, I go to a job and I don't love it that much. And, and I'm just trying to get through life and I'm trying to survive. Listen, I understand it could be hard what you're going through. But if I could just tell you something, God created you for more than that. And he wants to get your attention. You say, how do I have an encounter with God? It's real simple. Prioritize moments in his presence. You don't have to be sitting in church to have a burning bush moment, but it sure doesn't hurt. I've had some in church too. But I'm asking because we're so busy, but what if Moses was so busy that day he'd never even bothered to see the smoke? What if he was so distracted by all of his life, things he had to do, that he didn't see the fire? Are you prioritizing moments in the presence of God. You see, you can have a burning bush moment on a Tuesday morning at 6.30 when you get up early and you make yourself some coffee and you get your Bible out and you sit there and it's quiet and you read it and God can arrest your heart in a moment, just a moment. It only takes one. In fact, when I think of my journey of faith and I think back to it, I remember the significant moments along the way that actually had changed me. They were just moments like that. Are you prioritizing moments every day? Are you prioritizing coming here? Now, obviously, I'm speaking to all of you that are, but sometimes we don't make it a rhythm. Sometimes we have other excuses. We have other reasons that we don't have to be here. We could go do that. Let's do that. It's a beautiful day. It's 80 degrees. Let's not go to church. Let's go do this. Can I just tell you, you could miss a bush moment. You could miss a holy moment because there's something about showing up into an atmosphere like this where all of a sudden you could focus on God for an hour and 15 minutes. Maybe you'll be able to see or hear what he wants to tell you. you you got to prioritize. Do you prioritize coming to things like prayer night? I don't, I don't go to prayer nights. What would we do? Am I supposed to pray that long? 
Do you know how many people have come to a prayer night that it has so rocked their world that it has shifted their way of seeing things because they prioritize coming to a prayer night? Do you come to worship nights? I'm just saying we create opportunities all the time. You can be in a circle. You can come to the worship album recording. Who's coming to the album recording on May 20th? If you're like, I'm not sure, now you are. You're coming. I'm just going to go ahead and speak on behalf of God. God wanted me to tell you to show up on May 20th because it's not just about the songs we sing, but it's about the atmosphere of faith and stepping into an environment where now I can receive from God, where all of a sudden God can show up, get your attention, so he can give you his assignment. So many of us are wandering through life and we don't have his assignment because he can't get our attention. I'm calling you to something more. But he had to get Moses' attention, and so he gets his attention, and then he gives him his assignment. That's what we find in verse 9. Look at verse 9 with me. Verse 9, it says, look, God said, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. It's funny, I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm thinking to myself, there's enlisting in the army, and then there's being drafted. If you go back and read that passage, Moses didn't enlist. He was drafted. He wasn't given an option. God said, I've heard the cry of my people. Now, Moses, go. I'm sending you. You have to lead them out of Egypt. Didn't even give them options. Didn't even say, okay, look, Moses, here's three options. Pick the box that seems most like you. God didn't do that. You know what I've discovered in my life and following Jesus, trying to figure out my purpose? Here's what I figured out. You can volunteer. I've said those words, God, I volunteer, but the reality is this. You're drafted into your purpose. You're drafted into it. Whether you realize it or not, you're drafted into it because it's how God created you. See, I, I was drafted into the ministry. In fact, let, let me tell you how this story goes. When uh, I was in utero, okay, I wasn't even out yet. I wasn't breathing yet. When I was in utero and my mom was pregnant with me and my dad and my mom, they were in the ministry and one night my dad's laying in bed and he's reading the Bible and he speaks up to my mom. He says, oh, I got his name, me. We're gonna name him Timothy. See, the reason why I was named Timothy is because my Gentile dad, his name is Paul. I call him that, Gentile dad, because in the Bible he was a Gentile. Okay, but, but, but my dad is a Gentile, my mom is a Jew, okay. And, but my dad, his name was Paul, and he was in the ministry, and he read in Scripture that Paul had a son in the faith who was in the ministry that he treated like a son, and his name was Timothy. And, and he felt like in that moment, this is what my parents said, we knew that God called you into ministry before you were born. That's, that's, that's what they believed about me before I was even born. Their second born, their favorite child. <laughs> the better, sometimes God has to practice with the first. And then he perfects it by the second. That's sometimes what happens. And so, amen, amen. And, uh, but when I was a teenager, I've been in church my whole life, can I be honest with you? I ran from God. I ran away from God. 
And when my parents told me, they said, son, you, you don't understand, God's called you into ministry. Can I tell you what I did? I ran away from that calling. I didn't want anything to do with it. In fact, I remember this moment so vividly that at graduation, my high school graduation, when everybody was celebrating and I had this moment, it was just an epiphany moment, where all my friends from high school were all talking about what they're gonna be and this one's gonna go off to school and this one's gonna be an engineer and this one's maybe gonna go to the medical field and this one's gonna be this. And my brother, I watched my brother graduate. My brother always wanted to be a pilot, so my brother went to school. My brother became a pilot. While all of them were picking what they wanted to do, this is what I felt. I felt like I don't get to pick. Because I've been told since before I was even born, my namesake, that I was chosen for ministry. I was drafted. I didn't enlist. I was and I resented it and I ran from my calling. But as you all know, I'm here today standing in the middle of my calling. Let me tell you why that is. Because here's what I discovered. You can run from God's call, but you can't run from who you were created to be. You can run all day long. I'm gonna run. I don't want to follow. I don't want to do this. But what you can't do is run from who God created you to be. And so I was running for a long time. But here's what I found out with God. You can run, but you can't hide. You know, Moses was running. Did you know that? Moses was running. See, I didn't, I didn't give you the backstory. Maybe I should have given you the whole backstory. And then maybe it would make a little more sense. But, but Moses had, was on the run. In fact, if you know the backstory of Moses, you might understand why God drafted him and didn't ask him what he wanted to do. Because when Moses was born, he was born in a time where it was really difficult, where the Pharaoh and the king of Egypt was so concerned about the growing number of the Hebrews, the Israelites in their land, that he passed a law that said all mothers with newborn babies are supposed to throw them in the Nile River, drown them. But Moses' mom, who loved her son so much and saw something special in his life, well, she threw him into the river, but he just so happened to be in a basket. Still follow the rules, just put some tar on the basket, and then we threw them into the river. And then it was in the river, and divinely as God had it, that the daughter of the king, daughter of the Pharaoh, drew Moses out of the water. She rescued Moses from the river. She rescued Moses from the, the crocs. She rescued Moses from, she drew, by the way, do you know that's why his name is Moses? It means to draw out that she drew him out and Moses grew up in the palace. He grew up getting the best education, the best teaching, being around. This was Moses, he grew up and then as he got older, one day he started to notice that his people were being harassed by the Egyptians. Then one day he had it enough and he said, I've gotta step in and rescue them. And when he saw an Egyptian taskmaster beating a, a Hebrew guy, he went and he struck the Egyptian and he killed him. The problem is word got out and he was afraid for his life, so he ran hundreds of miles into the wilderness. And when he got into the wilderness, the scriptures tell us that he came upon some women shepherdess who were trying to get water from a well, but they could not because other men were harassing them and wouldn't let them. Guess what Moses did? He said, oh, not on my watch. And he went and defended the women, and he got the people out of the way so that they could water their sheep. You see, there is some similar theme throughout all of Moses' story. I don't know if you caught it. 
But through all of Moses' story, we get this one theme over and over and over again, and that is rescue. Rescue. He was rescued from the Nile. He was the one who went to rescue his own people. He went and rescued these women because, listen, Moses was created to be a rescuer. You can run from God's call on your life, but you cannot run from who God created you to be. So Moses ran into the wilderness, he did. And then he spent 40 years, the second 40 years of his life, running away from what God had created him to do. And I wonder if maybe there's some of you even here today as I talk that maybe you, you identify with Moses in that back half of his life at this point where Maybe you think, I've actually run away from, there was a time where I felt like maybe I was, I was supposed to be a missionary. There was a time when I, I just, I don't know, I just felt a stirring inside of me, but I, I just ignored it. And sometimes we can end up in a wilderness wandering in life, and, and maybe you feel like you wasted so much. I wonder if Moses felt like, I wasted 40 years of my life taking care of my father-in-law's sheep. But you know what I found about God and his grace who is so good? Is that God will take even the decisions we make where we run away from him. We can run away from his calling. We can run into bad situations. You can run into an addiction. You can run away from a marriage. You can have made some really bad decisions. But here's what I know about God's grace. When God speaks to Moses now, God says, I'll redeem even the last 40 years. I know you've been wandering around the wilderness taking care of some dumb sheep for 40 years, but what you don't know, Moses, is that actually I'm gonna use that to prepare you for the next 40 years when you wander around in the wilderness taking care of some dumb sheep. A few really churchy Christians that got that little dumb sheep comment. See, I think a lot of times we resist God and what he's calling us to because we don't know our backstory. See, you, you don't know the whole story. You, you look at your life and what you're running after and pursuing, but you don't see your life the way God created you. And you might feel like I've made so many bad decisions and I've gone through so many hard experiences and I've experienced pain from other people and but here's what I want you to know. God will use all of it. And it is not too late to turn and step toward your purpose. Moses was 80. It is not too late to take a step toward your purpose. Do you hear me today? I feel like I need to say that for somebody. I don't know who it is that you feel like I've 65 years of my life and I've run in the wrong direction. Today can be a new day. You're not done. Here's what I know. In all things, God works in all things. I love Romans 8, 28, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That means God can take every bad decision, every season of wandering, everything you've done and running away, and God says, oh, I know you did that, but I'm bigger than that, and I'll use that for your purpose if you'll take a step toward it. And so he's telling Moses, you're drafted. Can I choose what I, no, because I created you specifically for it. You're a rescuer. You're a rescuer. And Moses can't see himself the way God sees him. That's why Moses responds the way he does in verse 11. Look at verse 11. But Moses protested to God. 
What did he say? Everybody say those three words with me out loud. He said, who am I? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? I wonder if you have ever thought that. When you hear someone say, God has something significant for your life, and you just say, me? I'm a nobody. I think sometimes that's how we feel about ourselves. I wonder how God feels every single time we diminish the very masterful creation that he made us to be. I'm a nobody. God's like, mm, I wish you wouldn't say that. And the reason why sometimes we feel stuck in this life is because we're going through it and we're looking at ourselves and how we see ourselves. And sometimes it's in such a negative light. I, I'm a nobody. I can't do anything special. I can't preach like you can preach, pastor. I don't understand the Bible when I read it. I'm not really good. We, we, we have all of these fears that come up inside of us. When I say God wants to use you to do something significant, if fear comes to your mind, just know you're not alone. Moses felt the same thing. I've felt the same thing. In fact, I want, I want to show you three significant fears that a lot of us wrestle with. I would love for you to write these down. And then I would love for you this week to pray about them. God, do I have these? Ask. Sometimes you don't need to because you already know. There's three significant fears that Moses uses as excuses as to why he can't do what God's asking him to do. Here's what the three are. Insecurity, inadequacy, incompetency. Insecurity, inadequacy, incompetency. I find that these are three common fears that every human feels when they feel nudged to take a step of faith. Here's God asking Moses, Moses, I wanna use you. I'm gonna send you, go. And Moses is first, thought is insecurity. You know what insecurity says? I'm not enough. I'm not enough. The reason why we tend to get so insecure in life is because we don't really know who we are. And we don't know who we were made to be. And so we feel insecure about what maybe God's going to lead us to do. I can't lead a small group. I don't know enough. I, I can't go on a mission trip. I, don't, I can't do these things. It's because we don't know who we are. I think about Moses, and the reality is, I think Moses had an identity crisis. I want you to think about his life and how he grew up. He was a Hebrew baby that was supposed to have been disposed of, but was rescued, pardoned by the Pharaoh's daughter. And so he gets to grow up in the lap of luxury while all the rest of the people who look like him are suffering in slavery. He grows up with a silver spoon in his mouth while all the rest of them are struggling to even survive. And he is given the best teaching and the best clothes, the best food, the best education. He, I, I want you to see this. Like, and yet, in this moment, he responds to, to God and he says, who am I? that the Pharaoh would listen to me. You don't understand, I messed it up so badly. And oh, by the way, I've been gone so long that that Pharaoh's not even alive anymore and there's somebody else that's there and they're not, they don't know who I am. I have no clout, I've got no influence, I, I've got nothing, No, I'm a nobody. And then if, when he's growing up with this identity crisis, he finally has enough when he's 40 
where he tries to come to the aid of the Israelites. And when he does that, guess what? They won't accept him either. They said, who are you think you're some leader of ours? You're a traitor. You're with one of them. You don't know my experience. And so here's Moses where God says, I'm sending you back. And he was like, the Pharaoh was mad at me because I killed an Egyptian. He will never listen to me. The Israelites already rejected me. See, Moses, I'm convinced, had an identity crisis. And I wonder how many of us are going through life and we might know our job title. We might know all that. We might know what our portfolio looks like, we might, but we still have an identity crisis because when we look at our life, all we can see is the litany of failures, bad decisions, indecision that we've made. You know what I have found? Identity, many of us, we identify more with our past failures than we do God's future. We identify more with our past than we do God's grace. I need you to know something. It doesn't matter what you've done to this point. God's grace is still bigger than what you've done. Can I say that today? The ones that clap and get real celebratory when I say things like that is because they realize they've done a lot of things. God's grace is bigger than that. And so when God calls Moses, he says, I want to use you. He says, who am I? Insecurity speaking. But it wasn't just insecurity, it was also inadequacy. In fact, I'll give you an assignment this week. Here's what I'd love maybe for you to do. I would love for you to read Exodus chapter three and four, all of it on your own. Because I don't have time to work through it all. If I did, well, this would be a series and so we're not doing that today. But in Exodus chapter four, verse one, Moses is continuing on with his, with his list of excuses. And here's what inadequacy says, I don't have enough. He says, God, what if I go back there and they don't believe me? They're like, who are you to come? We don't believe God sent you. I mean, yeah, I've been out here for 40 years, but I don't even have my own sheep. It's my father-in-law's sheep. I didn't create anything, I didn't build anything. I'm going back empty handed and why would they believe me? I've got nothing to go back with. And God looks at Moses and he says, what do you mean you're going back empty handed? He said to Moses, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And Moses is like, oh, it's just a staff, this, this stick. I just, my walking stick, it's my shepherd's staff. I, I just, I use this to defend off predators that come against the sheep. and." Sometimes I got to use it to beat the bad ones. I, this is, is my step. He said, what's in your hand? I just got a stick. What's a stick going to do? And God said, y'all know this part, right? God said, throw it on the ground. And he threw it on the ground. It wasn't any ground. That was holy ground. He threw it on the ground. When he threw it on the ground, what happened to it? The stick turned into what? Anybody know? A snake. Y'all know the story. It turned into a snake. Now that would have been a cool trick, you know, throw it into a snake. Here's what God told him after that. He said, okay, now I want you to pick up the snake. I would have been like, God, I got another one back at the tent. You can have that one. I'll just donate that one to your creation. You can, that snake can go on. I'll get, I'll get another one. I got a spare. The truth is, it actually wasn't about the stick. Moses still didn't get that. That's why I'm convinced God had to do another sign. God said, no, okay, take your hand. Now we don't need the stick. Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside of his cloak. And he pulled it out. And as soon as he pulled it out, it was covered with what? Anybody know? Leprosy. 
It was covered in a skin disease. Again, if I'm Moses, I'm like, God, these are not cool tricks. I don't like the snake. I don't like the leprosy. What are you doing here? God's like, don't worry, stick it back in your cloak. He puts it back inside of his cloak and he pulls it out and it looks brand new. It looks brand new. Moses, it's not about what you don't have. Because this is the excuse we give God all the time. If I had more time, I would serve you, God. If I had more money, I would give. If I had more knowledge, I would lead something. If I understood the Bible better, I would talk to my friend about faith. If I had more, and here's what God's trying to tell Moses. Moses, it's not about what's in your hand. What I was trying to get you to see, it's about what I put inside of you already. When I say what's in your hand, I'm not talking about the stick. I'm talking about what I put inside of you, Moses. I've given you everything you need to do what I created you to do because I put you together in your mother's womb. I knew what you would need. I know what you need, and I've got everything you need to do it. Now go. I don't have enough. I'm not skilled enough. God said, stop, Moses. I don't need you to have anything. You don't understand. I can use what you have. I need someone to hear that today. God says, I can use what you have because I made you. Moses is running out of arguments. Who am I? What if they don't believe me? I don't have anything. So then Moses says this in chapter 4, verse 10. He says, but, but God, I, I almost failed speech class in college. He says, I've never been eloquent. I'm not good with wordle. Words. I'm not good with, I've been in wordle mode for the last couple weeks. I try Wordle and I can't get it in six guesses, God. Like, he, here's what he said. He says, I'm not good with words. You need a leader. You need someone who can get up there and can speak vision and can inspire and can motivate. And I, here's what he told God. He said, I've never been good with words. And I love what God, God, God looks at Moses and he said, Moses, who gave you your mouth? Stop telling your maker what you can't do. Because every time, listen to me, this is now about your life. Every time you tell God what you can't do, incompetency, I'm not good enough. Every time you tell God, consider this, you might actually be insulting your creator who made you and gave you everything you need to do what he's called you to do. Stop telling God you're not good enough. Stop telling God I'm not skilled enough, I don't know enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not intelligent enough. Stop telling God that. That's like the clay telling the potter you make bad stuff. I don't wanna tell God that. Could it be that God actually is okay with the gaps in your life? because it's the space where he'll fill it with his grace and in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. And so God says, I know what you can't do, but maybe if you'll step out in faith and do it, you'll see me come through you and then I'll get the credit and not you. I'm convinced God likes to use people that aren't specialists. God, I say, I've always said that about myself. You know what I like to say sometimes about myself? I'm like, I'm a master of none, jack of all. 
Yeah. It's like, I can do a little bit of stuff good, but I'm not great at any one thing. And I wonder if sometimes God made me that way so that he gets the credit and the glory for what he does through my purpose. And so Moses, he finally says to God, God, use someone else. Literally, he says that. You can read it in chapter four. He says, pardon me, Lord, but just why don't you use someone better? Use someone else. And can I tell you this? God can use someone else, but he wants to use you. See, I'm convinced that God doesn't need me, but he made me and he wants to use me. But if I won't answer the call, guess what? Someone else will. And I'm convinced that God wants to use you too. And if you won't answer the call, somebody else will. He's sovereign. He'll make it happen. But can I tell you this? God wants to use you. And it may not be to be a missionary. It may not be to full-time ministry. I think sometimes the greatest impact that we won't even see this side of eternity is going to be from those who were faithful and reached everybody in their school. Those who made a difference at work and shaped somebody else's life. God, use someone else. So here's God's response. I want to give you his response in verse 12 of chapter 3. We're still there. God answered, Moses, I will be with you. And this is your sign. Some of you have been saying, God, if you will give me a sign of what you want me to do. He said this to Moses, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. You ready? Moses, this is the sign. You're looking for a sign? I'll give you the sign. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. I don't know if you got that. Most of us are looking for a sign so that we will actually step out in faith. You know what God told Moses? You step out in faith and you go in obedience and the sign will be that I will meet you on this mountain when you get back with all the people. In other words, when you step into it by faith, then you're going to discover I was there. Most of us go, God, give me a sign, then I'll move. That's not faith. I'm convinced God wants us to walk by faith and not by... I'm looking for a sign. Jesus said signs and wonders follow those who believe. Maybe the signs come after. Maybe we ought to stop looking for a sign and just take a step. Just take a step. Verse 13, Moses, he protested. But if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, they will ask me, what's his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, I want everybody to say these words, these five words out loud. He said what? I am who I, come on, say it out loud again. I, who I, God says, I, I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. You see, I, I was reading this and I, I realized, Moses, you've been looking at it all wrong. Moses keeps asking this question and feeling inadequate, feeling insecure. He's saying, who am I that they would listen? Who am I 
that I should go do it. And what Moses did was he took the truth of who God is and he twisted it into a question about who God made him to be. Instead of it being, who am I? What God turned around and said, all you need to know is I am. Moses, it's not about you. It's not about what you can and can't do. It's what I'm gonna do through you. You need to know who I am. I am more than enough. You don't feel like you're enough? God says, I am more than enough. You don't feel like you have anything? God said, I have everything you need before you go. I only have a stick. No, it doesn't matter. You go in the strength that I have given you because I am the healer. I am the maker. I am the miracle worker. I will do it. I will provide. You take a step. I am. I am. Have you been looking at the wrong person? Maybe you've got an eye problem. Maybe you got an eye problem. Moses had an eye problem. Insecure, inadequate, incompetent. Moses had an eye problem. It's not those eyes. Moses had an eye problem. He spent his whole life looking at himself and what he wasn't and what he couldn't do rather than putting his focus on the one who could do it, the one who called him. I love 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor anyone even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's you. That's you. Maybe you just got an eye problem. God said, Moses, stop looking at yourself and trust me. Come on, stand up there on your feet. Stand up. I want this to be more than just a message today. I felt like, I felt like God wanted me to create an atmosphere where some of you could have a burning bush moment. Well, I felt like God wanted me to tell you, stop limiting what he wants to do in your life because you got your eyes on the wrong source. I really believe that right now for some of you, this is my prayer is that the spirit of God is lighting some dry embers in your soul today. It's time to get on mission. It's time to step into what he's created you for. Stop running. You can run from God's call, but you can't run from who God created you to be. Like the prophet Jeremiah, God told him, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. I have declared something over your life before you even were born. Today, maybe today, God wants you to receive that. Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? I believe this is a holy moment. You don't have to take your shoes off, but I will hope that you would just respect this moment that God is here. Father, I'm asking right now by your spirit, God, you would create a burning bush moment for us. I believe we're in your presence. God, I feel this. I feel this today. Somebody needs to hear this today. God says, I love you the way I made you. I don't make junk. I don't make mistakes. 
everything you've done run in the wrong way, God says, I'll redeem that too. God, I pray that you would show us today. Show us, God, what you have called us to. I don't know if maybe you're here today and you've not taken that first step with Jesus. Maybe some of you feel like you've been wandering through life aimless. Can I just say maybe it's because you've never invited Jesus to be the Lord, the leader of your life. And I wonder if right now this is a holy moment for you. For those of you here today that maybe you're you're feeling God for the first time. Maybe it's been a long time. I want to speak to someone maybe that you've run from God like I did in my life. You've run from his call in your life. Maybe today is that moment where you see the bush and you move toward him. Today by faith, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord, I would love for you just to pray this in your heart with me. You just tell him, you just, it's you and him. Just speak to him. He's here. This is a moment with him. You say, God, today I receive your son Jesus as my savior. Today I give my life to you. I'm not praying a prayer to get out of hell. I am submitting my life to your plans. I'm yours. I'm yours. It's not just for those today that needed to pray that. I believe every single one of us, God is in this moment. This is a holy moment. You can make it a holy moment if you'll lean into God. He's here. He's here. What would it look like for us to create this as a burning bush moment? I believe God wants to pour something into your life today. I believe God, listen, here's what you need to know. God doesn't care about your ability. He just wants your availability. He just wants to know, will you say yes? He just wants to know, will you say, I'm available, God. You can use me. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Come on, if you feel comfortable doing that today. I believe that this is a moment where God wants to meet you. This is a holy moment where God wants to pour out his spirit into you today. Come on, maybe this is an opportunity for you to say, God, I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes to you today. I respond to you today. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.